Welcome to the Tim DeMoss Show podcast. You can hear the program each weekday afternoon from 4 till 5 on AM 560 WFIL and WFIL.com. Good afternoon. It is just after 4 o'clock, 4.02, and 4 seconds. Tim DeMoss hanging out. It's the Tim DeMoss Show. Thanks for tuning in. Forecast today, uh, going down to a low of 22 eventually tonight. Tomorrow, mixed to clouds and sun, high around 40. Sixers with a win last night. Seattle won in Monday night football, which is good for the Eagles, who, of course, lost in overtime on Sunday because now Minnesota is just a half a game ahead of the Eagles, who are now in a bunch of teams that are all kind of muddling along at 6-7. and seven. Carolina, Washington, I think there's another team or two. So they have a chance at that second wild card. So don't write the Eagles off just yet. And the uh, Phillies apparently have just made a signing. Andrew McCutcheon, who played with the Pirates for many years, uh, been an all-star and a good player. Looks like they're signed to a three-year deal. So we'll dig into that a little bit more and perhaps even grab one of our favorite sports writers to give us a quick call and get us more info on that as we can. We also have several guests this hour looking forward to uh, Leslie Tyler. She's the Director of Media Relations and Communications at the Kimmel Center. There's a big event tonight called a Soulful Christmas. We'll just chat with her for a couple of minutes about something going on in the city this evening. Uh, and also want to play a little segment for you from a pastor from our church. His name is Steve Smallman. I had him on just for a few minutes. Uh, we had him on uh, two months ago after a sermon he had, had preached uh, about giving. And, you know, you hear about that especially a lot at this time of year. Uh, including on WFIL. We have something right in our homepage about blessing the ministries that bless you all year long. We have a nice list of them alphabetical on our, our website and a cl- clickable link. So if you'd like to give a year-end word of encouragement and or contribution, you can do that very easily. So but I want to get his perspective. He'd actually preached a sermon about three or four months ago that was very uh, insightful. And I uh, just want to play a snippet of that for you and for myself to remind me about uh, one aspect of giving. We also are glad, before we get into any of that, uh, happy to uh, oh, we play, feature some Christmas music this hour. We thought maybe over the next couple of weeks we'd play a song or two here or there and, and uh, share the backstory on some of those songs. So we'll be uh, hoping to fit that in before the hour is through as well. Uh, that said, before I go any further, uh, actually, uh, I think we'll do a short break because we have our guest coming up here, but I'm not quite ready for our guest. <laughs> I have a lot of papers flying around here. So let's do that, Joe, if we can. It's 4.04, and uh, we'll come back and chat with our first guest of the hour, Dr. Mark Engelman. And uh, with the holidays approaching, he's got quite an impressive resume in terms of his medical career. And he'll just share some tips with us how to be careful as we're entering the holiday season. Not just the uh, obvious things, but how do you, you know, food sensitivities, things like that that may crop up and how to take care of yourself and come out the other side of the holiday season, basically the same person you were going in. We'll chat with him in just a moment here on AM 560 WFIL. It's the Tim DeMoss Show podcast, available at WFIL.com. Thanks for listening. It's 408. You're listening to The Tim DeMoss Show on AM 560 WFIL. Our first guest on our swell show, Dr. Mark Engelman. He's the founder and president of the Engelman Health Institute. And uh, how you doing, sir? I'm doing well. It's a lovely day in Phoenix. How is it in Philly? It's chilly, but it gets cold in Phoenix, does it not, at times? Uh, 
It, it for us, you know, it's about fifty-six degrees. That's considered a cold morning. Okay, yeah, we're about <laughs> thirty less than that. Today is about yeah, twenty. That's what I figured. Frost on the windshield. Well, it's good to talk with you. Um, Thanks. Yeah, uh, twenty-three years as the director of St. Joe's Medical Center Emergency Department in Phoenix. Stand, Correct. Standby physician for two American presidential administrations. Chief physician Correct. for the Arizona Boxing Commission. Yeah, and uh, a bunch of other things. So it appears you like to continue your learning and aren't satisfied to just stand pat. <laughs> yeah, that's what I. This is I, I love, the, and there's so much great new stuff in medicine. I'm giving a talk tomorrow on aging. What's the latest, really latest, like yesterday information on aging and, and ways to you know mitigate it. And so yeah, it's fun time. Yeah. Fun time to be alive, fun time to be in medicine. Yeah. Dr. Mark Engelman is our guest. He's the founder and president of the Engelman Health Institute and among other things. And, uh, you know, also an expert speaker, both nationally and internationally, so uh, on emergency medicine. So you know how to address a crowd, which is good for our chat. Wanted to have you on the program because you have some thoughts and insights as the holidays are really here now. And uh, we actually just had a big plate of cookies in our department head meeting of staring at all these colors and things and Food sensitivities and, and other things like that are, are issues that folks are going to be dealing with perhaps during the this season. So before we get into that, though, can we just take a second and maybe un- unpack a bit of the background, some of the stuff we were just mentioning there, like uh, being the director of St. Joe's Medical Center uh, in the emergency department for 23 years. How did you come to that position? What, what's that been like? That must be kind of crazy in, in, a, in a hard way, but a good way, too. Yeah, it was crazy. I was... Um... Uh, not not so much now, but I was a thrill seeker, and I grew up on, you know, I came from a medical background. I was going to be an, an internist cardiologist, and then I did my rotation in the emergency department, and I, it, I was sort of an adrenaline junkie at the time, and yeah. so it doesn't get much more adrenalized than being in the emergency department of a big inner city hospital with a lot of trauma and so it was it was fun you know but i think it's a young person's job i don't think it's Hmm. great to have your heart rate go from 70 to 170 in a minute but um but i was i was pretty good under stress pretty good on my feet and uh so it worked out well for me and prepared me for you know, for the future and opened up a lot of opportunities. You know, you meet a lot of interesting people. I took care of, you know, senators and I, like I, my background said, I was a backup doc for um, two presidential administrations when they were in the area. I had the red phone in the emergency department and stuck around until they cleared the airspace. So that was, and then I got to know all about there are different medical problems and so forth. So it was fun. And, you know, as a rock and roll doctor for a while with Stevie Nicks' father, she's a good friend of mine, and it's been a good career. Yeah. And on that presidential thing, I was curious, is that is that the kind of thing where you have to be available at certain times, or is it more of an ongoing uh, consulting kind of thing? Or like you it seemed to indicate, you know, if they're within range where you could actually be needed. Yeah, it's more like that. So they come in and they wire the hospital. They prep you and tell you what the president's conditions are and what medicines they're taking and what they're allergic to and so forth. And then when they're going to be in this particular airspace, and then there's a Secret Service agent, actually, that sits there with 
me and with a red phone that they install just in case something happens. But it's wild the stuff they do. They, <laughs> you know, they don't allow any one person to select the IV bottles that the president might get. And when I know about how much money is spent for just a president to just go away for the a day or a weekend, or yeah, it's a amazing. And that this was some years ago. Now it's got to be some insane amount of money. That it's not just. I think I'm going to fly down to Mar-a-Lago or go out to Kansas. <laughs> right. All the prep work, it's expensive. I bet. I bet. I mean, and there's a cost that comes to everything, and you consider the position. It's understandable, but I, you know, you wish it wouldn't have to be that way. But that's a neat a neat chapter for you, for sure. And also, also that aspect of being the chief physician for the Arizona Boxing Commission, what kind of responsibility comes with that, and, and how did that work? Is that before the fact, after the fact, all along, you know? So they... The, the hospital that I was head of the ER department also has the biggest private neurosurgery program in the world. And so I was good on, I needed to know neurology and head trauma. Hmm. So one night I was in the ER and a, a boxer came in that was having seizures after a boxing match. And he, it looked like he had literally been in a war. And I was so upset. And then his manager didn't come in because his record ended up being a losing record so he was oh, no wow. use to the manager and so wow. but I was upset about why somebody would let that go on for that long and then I came to find out that they were hiring um you know OBGYN docs and psychiatrists and you know dermatologists and so forth and you know to to be the ring doctors and so I said that's terrible I'll do it give me one you know ringside seat for a girlfriend or a friend and I'll do it for free and then I ended up you know doing that for a number of years and I met a lot of fascinating Sugar Ray Leonard and Tommy Hearns and all the fighters during the Marvin Hagler and Roberto Duran and Muhammad Ali and all the so that was fun you know getting to know them so absolutely um, so your job was partly was it to kind of help make sure uh, in the moment or at the actual matches and yeah. shortly following? Okay. No, in the moment, I was right ringside. So if I saw somebody that looked like they had their bell rung and they were, you know, defenseless or, or on their way to getting too many blows, then I would tell the referee to stop the fight. Some states, the doc can tell them to stop. In other states, they can't. But most states, if somebody strongly suggests that then they'll stop the fight. Dr. Mark Engelman is our guest. He's the founder and president of the Engelman Health Institute. He's done a lot of stuff over the years. And uh, every now and again, we'd like to have experts on just to share some insight into things. And this particular day, we wanted to take a few minutes to talk about the holidays. A big pile of Christmas cookies, I know, probably not something I should have had more than the four that I did. <clears throat> Confession. Um, but we're going to talk a little bit about some insight, getting a little more specific with Dr. Engelman after a quick break here and give you some ideas as we're, you know, food's flying around during the holidays, people coming over, you going places, it's easy to overeat, it's easy to eat the wrong stuff or stuff you never tried before. So we'll get his take on some of those thoughts and uh, help you hopefully get through these next few weeks in one piece uh, that isn't growing, so to speak. Back in a second, AM560 WFIL, WFIL.com. Have a guest you'd like to hear on the Tim DeMoss Show on AM560 WFIL? Email Timmy D at WFIL.com. 419 AM560 WFIL, WFIL.com. It's the Tim DeMoss Show. Thanks for listening in. 
I want to continue our chat with Dr. Mark Engelman, checking in from Phoenix, Arizona. He's the founder and president of the Engelman Health Institute. 23 years as the director of St. Joseph's Medical Center Emergency Department in Phoenix. Been the standby physician for two American presidential administrations and a lot more. And so we're just picking his brain today a little bit. Any tips you have as we enter the Christmas season and the holidays and uh, how to take care of ourselves, so to speak? Well, one, the, the, the idea is supposedly I was reading that, that during the holidays, the average weight gain is about two and a half pounds. Okay. It's easy to put on, hard to take off. Sure. So one of the recommendations is for people to weigh. I think people should weigh themselves every day anyhow, every, at least every day, every other day. And every, if you do it every day, then you don't get the big surprise. Gee whiz, I've gained five pounds. Yes. So, you know, do it in this, at the same time after you've gone to the bathroom. And, you know, so you're regular in terms of that, what time you weigh. The variable, but, right. Yeah. But try try and, you know, maintain your weight if you can. And if it's a half a pound or something, that's not so bad. But when it's getting up to two or three pounds, that's a, that's hard to take off. Another tip would be to try and maintain, which is not so easy to do. I'm a big walker. I, I, my idea of having strenuous exercise is if you walk a nice brisk amount, or even for some people, if you just walk around the block or yeah. whatever is your exercise program, I would continue that. Don't turn into a slug, a couch slug. It's hard when it's cold out, at least out this direction. Phoenix, maybe it's, it's easier. Or, no, but, uh, that is hard. And I, Yeah, I agree. But that the is walking, hard, but, you know, my dad's 90, and he, he's gone, uh, and, and he does still very well, and he walks. And he even said, that as opposed to jogging, which maybe put, yeah. you could puts pressure on your knees or wears your joints out, he can still walk and, and even encourage, just like you said, encourages us to get up and walk around, even if it's just for five minutes to walk around the cul-de-sac or walk up and down the street to be active in that way. So, well, your dad sounds like a cool guy. <laughs> I think so. Yeah, I agree. Yeah. So the other thing that I think is not a bad idea is for people that I think it's not a good idea to go to these parties famished. Sure. You know, I would eat something beforehand, whether it's little salad or some vegetables or some something with some fiber in it so that you feel a little bit, at least a little full when you go someplace. Yeah. Is there a way to determine if a person should avoid certain foods um, or maybe in certain forms, raw versus cooked or whatever, uh, in terms of sensitivities? There is. I mean, there is testing the Cyrex, the Cyrex labs that I do. I have my own practice, but I also do consulting for them. And their website is jointcyrex.com. Okay. They're the best testing company for whether a food sits well with you or it doesn't. Now, sometimes people like for, you know, dairy products, some people just don't make lactase, which is the enzyme that digests the milk sugar. Sure. That's a different thing. But this is, am I making antibodies and getting inflamed by eating cert certain foods? And and they're very good tests, and a lot of people do them. They're also good for predicting auto the possibility of somebody having autoimmune disease or reaction later, or if somebody eats a food and they notice that they one, don't feel well the next day or a couple of days later, or they get joint discomfort or right. they have, you know, foggy mind, you know, they don't can't think as well and so forth. Those are signs that 
probably the food may be causing some, you know, inflammatory changes and some antibodies that can lead to autoimmune reactivity at least. And so gluten's one of them, dairy's another one, but I'm not a suggester that everybody get off gluten or nor dairy, but I think if you have a question about it, it's a good idea to test. And then tests are very accurate. Dr. Mark Engelman, our guest, he's the founder and president of the Engelman Health Institute. And one of the things in your background as well, you obtained specialized training and certification in integrative medicine, which is now accepted at medical institutions like Harvard and Johns Hopkins. Uh, talk about that a little bit because it sounds like some of what you I think what you're talking about may spill into that or come from that in terms of thinking about, you know, why or why these things would affect our bodies the way they do? You're right on right on cue, right on beam. You know, the old way when you're in the ER or you're a busy practicing physician is that somebody, you know, hangs a diagnosis on you because you have these three things or these five lab tests and now you officially have something, have a disease, rheumatoid arthritis, multiple sclerosis, whatever it is. And so, um, but nobody really had ever stopped or not much to stop to say, well, I I didn't have autoimmune disease or I didn't have this other disease a year ago, but I have it now. What happened? Why didn't I have it then and I have it now? Something changed. And so that's what integrative medicine is. And it looks at all the possible triggers and stimulations and one's own immune system and their heredity and stress and all the factors that contribute to how our body works, how the whole thing works. And we're essentially a machine that needs to, you know, be well taken care of. It needs rest. It needs downtime. You know, it needs to have the uh, parts that work well and so forth. So, and that's what integrative medicine is. It's fabulous. It's why I'm still in medicine because the old paradigm of going to your doctor and getting a pill and then having them come back and say, you know, three or six months, come on back and let's see how much worse you are so we can give you two pills <laughs> is just uh, is just not. And it's not it's not necessarily their fault. The stuff is really complex. I had to get out all my old organic chemistry books and cellular biology and stuff that I thought when I got out of medical school, well, I'll never have to worry about that again. <laughs> and, yeah. you know, and now it's, it's, it's going back to the basics of how cells work on a molecular basis. And it's, it's so much fun. And we're so good at it now that the people who are born now the only reason they won't live as long, and, you know, the life expectancy has actually gone down in the United States for the last two years, hmm. is because, well, one reason is there's more suicide, actually. That's probably one of the main reasons. And the other reason is because we eat such junky food and we don't exercise as much, so we have a tendency to you know, to sort of fall apart where that's not really necessary to have happen, but it requires some discipline. You know, it's like your dad says, you got to get up off the couch when it's cold outside. You don't feel like it, but that's what you have to do. Yeah. And it's interesting. You mentioned that my dad, his doctor has talked to him and said, whatever you're doing, keep doing it because he he really doesn't eat. I can't remember going to a fast food. I think I went to fast food fast food with him after church once when McDonald's had 10 cent hamburgers. No kidding. And that tells you how long ago, if it was 10 cent hamburgers, how long ago it was. 
So, wow, yeah. that's amazing. Yeah, very little, and he eats big salads. And uh, you talked about going before you go to wow. a, a holiday party. You know, you have vegetables or something because there's you know. Food. Yeah, you have that crudite where they usually have. They go, ah, you know, I guess we'll have to have some vegetables for those nuts that like to eat vegetables <laughs> during during the holidays. And then you got all that those raw vegetables, which you could really pretty much fill up on. And the truth of the matter is. You can eat as much vegetables as you want. They, and they do help you feel full. It's not like eating, you have to eat just a few. You can eat a lot of them. Correct. Right? Yeah. Correct. That's interesting. Yeah. And then you got, they do all that stuff for your microbiome. And, you know, if you, they've done these studies where they look at somebody's microbiome, you know, that bacteria in somebody's gut. Yeah. And then feed them a McDonald's double cheeseburger with fries and a Coke and then go back the next day and look at their bacteria and they're amazingly different in one day. I believe and, it. Yeah. It's just easy. That's why I don't, I really try and not have any packaged foods in my house at all. Yeah. You may find it interesting. Uh, we have a daughter who's disabled. I share her story a little bit every now and again and uh, without going too far afield with it, um, there's a place locally we've gone to where they talk about the a lot of the um, integrative type and holistic in terms of the you know the gut being the second brain and and yep. what's in your stomach literally affects your brain. So sometimes the the root of the problems that someone's experiencing a good chunk of it is coming from what's what they're putting in their bodies and it, it's you know can be as simple absolutely as not putting absolutely. all that stuff in it. So and the more you know about it, the more you realize that gut brain axis is, is, you know, is huge. And a lot of, you know, emotional issues and not, not just physical issues, but right. emotional issues and learning disabilities. And now those, those I think are worth, I'm not saying that they're all going to show up something, but that's a, that, that's a good reason to do some testing like with a company like Cyrex, because you might find some things that are pretty interesting on those tests, which can be, you know, altered or removed, which may be the seed of the problem, actually. Yeah. Well, Dr. Engelman, thank you for taking time. It's good to talk with you today. Yeah. Say hi to your dad for me. I'll do that. Uh, he yeah. listens to the program every day, so he probably will will consider himself hide to already. And All right. That's, uh, that sounds great. Well, lots of love and good blessings for you for the holidays. Thank you. You too. Have a great rest All of the right. day. Thanks. I appreciate it. All right. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. That's Dr. Mark Engelman, founder and president of the Engelman Health Institute, sharing a little insight after a lot of long years in the medical profession, emergency department, the director out in Phoenix for 23 years, and standby physician for two American presidential administrations, and a lot of other things, too. It's neat to learn from people, and uh, hopefully you got some insight from him. We're going to do a short break and come back with Mike Sealski. Mike Sealski is... Uh, a columnist for the Enquirer and the uh, uh, it's on a number of different websites and that kind of thing. You can find uh, more info about him online. We'll get to that in a second uh, because there's a trade today. The Phillies are signing, I should say. The Phillies uh, signed uh, Andrew McCutcheon of the Pirates. Mike also read an interesting article about the Eagles' loss on Sunday just a couple of days ago, and uh, we'll get into that here in a second as well. Hang on one second. You listen to the Tim DeMoss Show on AM 560, WFIL. WFIL.com. Live and local. It's the Tim DeMoss Show, weekday afternoons 4 till 5 on AM 560 WFIL and at WFIL.com. Our podcast continues. 434. 
AM 560 WFIL, WFIL.com. Listen to the Tim DeMoss program. Hopefully you're enjoying the afternoon. And if you enjoy the show, you're welcome to help yourself to all the podcasts on our website, WFIL.com. Forecast calling for a clear evening ahead, low down to 22. Mix of clouds and sun tomorrow, high up to 40. Sixers with a win last night. Seattle with a win also in Monday Night Football over Minnesota, which helps the Eagles. Uh, bunches a bunch of teams together for that second wild card spot, including the Eagles. And the Phillies uh, making a signing. It looks like today, uh, Andrew McCutcheon, a three-year deal, $45 million. He was the MVP in 2013 in the National League. Played for San Francisco and the Yankees last year. Mike Sielski is joining us now. Uh, hello, Mike. How you doing, my friend? Good to talk to you. Hi, Tim. How are you? Uh, it's good to talk to you, Tim. How are you? Yeah, wonderful. Mike is a sports columnist for the Inquirer, the Daily News, and uh, always typing out a bunch of articles. So with this McCutcheon signing, what do you think? Uh, you, you haven't written the article yet, which is coming, so people can look for it. But what are a couple, <laughs> a couple of germs of the uh, of the column that may, may be coming? Yeah, you know, um, I, I like the signing. Uh, you know, McCutcheon is still a productive major league player. Um, he's not quite at the level that he once was when he won the MVP, as you mentioned in 2013, but he's still, you know, a solid outfielder, a solid bat to add to the lineup and, and a particularly good clubhouse presence. And, you know, I, I don't think that this precludes the Phillies in any way from uh, pursuing one of the other, one or more of the other really big names on the free agent market this, uh, this off season, whether it's Bryce Harper or Manny Machado. Um, it just doesn't make sense that they would, you know, settle for signing um, Andrew McCutcheon to, you know, a three-year contract and then say, oh, okay, well, that's it. We don't need Bryce Harper. We don't need Manny Machado now. Um, John Middleton, their, their, you know, principal owner wants to spend money. Um, they want to change the roster. They need to add starting pitching. They need to add more offense. So I like the signing and I'm curious to see what else happens. Yeah. And in your experience covering the team, you, and you know, in sports in the market, sometimes, you, you know, things don't always just play out exactly the way you want, you have to wait. You know, I'm sure the teams may want to do things faster than than actually happen. And in the meantime, maybe McCutcheon is a is a concrete piece to know. Well, that is at least that can get done. Uh, maybe it sets you up for some other things too. Yeah, exactly. It also turns, you know, guys like Odubel Herrera and Nick Williams into potential trade pieces. Um, you know, if if the Phillies need to or feel they need to to you know move somebody, the outfield's too crowded. Um, they have a particular. Uh, you know, pitcher or another, you know, infielder in mind that they can acquire only by trade, then, you know, now you have the pieces to do that. Yeah, very good. Now, and shifting gears for a second, uh, the Phillies piece on McCutcheon, you know, forthcoming, but the Eagles piece, you had one yesterday, and there was a key moment, obviously, in Sunday's overtime loss to Dallas, where the Eagles score a touchdown with uh, under a couple minutes to go, pull within a point. I'm watching, I'm like, I wonder if they're going to go for two and try and take the lead by a point or what. They don't. Then there's a penalty, which makes it even easier, where the ball's going to be on the one-yard line instead of the two. And they just said, nah, we'll just take the point. We already got the extra point. You did not seem to agree with that, and maybe you can explain a little bit why. Sure. No, I mean, I, I wrote a column about this, as you mentioned, in the Inquirer and Daily News for today. It's on Philly.com as well. And, yeah. um, you know, my feeling is that uh, Doug Peterson, uh, you know, made his bones as an NFL head coach and helped the Eagles win the Super Bowl by being – daring in his decision making and uh this was not daring to me uh you know this was a moment that could could turn the eagle season you know they needed to win that game their defense was not playing well and peterson all but admitted as much that that kind of factored into his thinking that he didn't trust his defense to hold the lead even if the eagles were to have gone for two um and and succeeded and taken a one-point lead over the cowboys i mean my feeling is in that moment 
you know, you have to go for two. You have to take the chance that you can swing momentum your way, put the pressure back on the Cowboys, a team that's known for shrinking in big moments, um, to, you know, to, to put the pressure on them and, and, and go for it. And, you know, this is, this is a team and this is a coach that went forward on fourth down in the Super Bowl and ran a trick play to do it against the best coach and the best quarterback in the NFL in the last 20 years. Um, yeah. They didn't get where they had gotten by playing it safe. And to me, they played it safe. And I really I didn't feel like the decision uh, was a smart one. You think there have been had less time, maybe, you know, half a minute or something that he would have tried it because of. Yeah, I think I think that's possible. Um, I think that's that's possible. But then. You know, then you're getting into well, every situation is different. This was kind of Doug's defense yesterday when we we asked him about it. Was you know, well, every situation is different. I might have gone for it in the third quarter of a game in the middle of the season, but you know, in the situation the situation this time around, I'm not going to go for it. Um, I mean, look, he he wrote an autobiography that was titled Fearless. Uh, <laughs> you know, I think he's you know, if you're going to be fearless, yeah. go be fearless. Go go take the chance when the season is on the line. Yeah. Mike Sielski, our, our guest, uh, sports columnist for the Inquirer and Daily News. You can read him on philly.com. He's also written a couple of books, which next time we chat, we want to get into more. One's called Fading Echoes. I know some folks are very well familiar with that story. And you're also a dad of two and a husband of one. I have that in the right order, right? Not a husband. You, you have that correct. Yeah. Yes. Good. So we'll get into that. If I, and... the hus- if I were the husband of two and dad of one, that would be weird. <laughs> that would be rather odd. So uh, we're looking forward to having you back on and we'll dig some more into some sports, but I also want to get into your books with a little, we don't have enough time to get fully into the book today. So I want to save that for our next chat sometime and hopefully in the near future. Does that work for you? Sounds great, Tim. That's excellent. Thanks, Mike. Have a great day. All right, you too, sir. All right, Mike, that's that's very good. Mike Sielski, he is, uh, again, the Enquirer and Daily News sports columnist. Uh, He's an award-winning, in fact, uh, just a few years ago, he was the AP Sports Editor's uh, top sports columnist in the country. So that's a pretty cool thing. You can read him again at philly.com. We'll do a short break, come back at you with a couple more things as we come down the home stretch. It's the Tim DeMoss Show here on AM560, WFIL and WFIL.com. Thanks for tuning in to the Tim DeMoss Show podcast with AM560 WFIL and WFIL.com. 443 AM560 WFIL, WFIL.com. Listen to the Tim DeMoss Show as we continue uh, our swell, fine broadcast. I have a couple of guests we want to work in here. Uh, Leslie Tyler is the Director of Media Relations and Communications for the Kimmel Center in the city. And hello. Hi, Tim. It's Leslie Tyler calling from the Kimmel Center. Yeah, how are you? I'm fine. How are you? Good. I understand there's a big party going on tonight. Yes, a soulful Christmas returns. This year we're honoring gospel icon Dottie Peoples. It's a very exciting time to be on the Kimmel Center campus this, this evening. Yeah, and was this, let's, get, let's get into it. The, the, what's in store for people? This is the sixth time around. So have you been associated with it uh, each time? or are you? So I've been at the Kimmel Center for the past five years. Okay. So I, I've been apart for most of the time yeah. that it's been here. Um, it's really a, a fan favorite. In fact, our president and CEO, Ann Ewers, calls it her favorite event on the Kimmel Center campus. And we have over 1,500 annually. So wow. the reason what the the reason why this evening is so special is because it brings together different congregations from the city of Philadelphia. They perform, their choir members perform, and the ministers from those congregations share words, uplifting words, encouraging words that have like a Christian or Christmas theme to them. Yeah. 
and it's a wonderful event. That's fantastic. And I and understand uh, there are 600 or so people coming, the choir members. I mean, what, a, what an undertaking to bring that all together. Can you imagine 600 <laughs> voices filling the rafters of the beautiful Verizon Hall stage? They transform that space into a sanctuary of sorts, and it's a wonderful experience. There are praise dancers. There are live musicians. The vocalists are incredible. Um, they've rehearsed over and over for this night. This is something that they really look forward to each and every night, and it's quite a, it's quite a spectacle. Is it a, and it's a one-night-only deal? It's tonight, specifically, right? Yes, one night only here at the Kimmel Center for the Performing Arts, and it starts tonight at 7.30 p.m. It's called a soul... And tonight's honoree is the gospel icon, Dottie Peoples. She will actually come on stage and receive an award, a uh, gospel icon award, and she will also sing with the various voices from the church choirs here in the city. Wow. That sounds that sounds fantastic. Leslie Tyler is with us. She's the director of media relations and communications at the Kimmel Center in the city. And an annual tradition, a soulful Christmas tonight. Is there a best way for people to get tickets if they want to? Can they actually just show up and get them at the door, or should they go online ahead of time? The tickets are actually sold out, oh, unfortunately. No. Okay. Is there? Yes, they they sold out. This is the the fourth consecutive year that we have sold out. It is a, a command performance. Wow. It's something that people look forward to every year. This year, for the first time, I think we sold out in October. So, so typically, when do they go on sale? Just to at least plant a seed for next time around. Do they, do they go on sale in October usually? Usually in the fall, like September. Okay. August or September. Well, you should look for information about a soulful Christmas. The best way to find out when tickets go on sale is to sign up for Kimmel Center email alerts. Okay, and they can just, is it what's the site for Kimmel? Is it just Kimmel? It's KimmelCenter.org. Okay. www.kimmelcenter.org. Wow, that's quite a quite an undertaking, and uh, we can look forward to hopefully uh, knowing more ahead of time next year too to let people know about that. And uh, we also have an amazing um, Jewish music program in the spring called Sing Hallelujah, and it's very similar to a soulful Christmas, and it celebrates the tradition of the Jewish faith, and, and it's several synagogues from the city of Philadelphia. The cantors come, and they direct their choirs, and they sing uplifting songs, and the rabbis speak. It's very similar, and it's called Sing Hallelujah, and it's in the spring. So we're a place for everyone, soulful music, Jewish music, yeah. jazz music, whatever you like. Well, you I, can find it here at the Kimmel Center for the Performing Arts. And Leslie, you mentioned 1,500 events a year. Is that right? Yes, we have 1,500 events annually. We are the region's most impactful performing arts center. We are the second largest in the country behind New York's Lincoln Center. Wow. Uh, the Kimmel Center for the Performing Arts. We anchor the Avenue of the Arts here on Broad Street. Um, yeah. And we hope to see you soon well, here at the Kimmel Center Cultural Campus. So here's one quick thing as we wrap up. I'm sure you're very busy for tonight, but just so you know, we have an annual pastor's breakfast um, for our radio station in the listening area. And usually have, you know, hundreds of pastors, you know, dozens to hundreds, however many manage to come every spring. So maybe we can wind up connecting with you over an event sometime. And we have next spring already, I think, set up. But uh, it would be good to connect with you. Maybe we can, we can figure something else out. Well, let me tell you, the Kimmel Center is a place for great performances, but we also host amazing events. And we have an annual pastor's breakfast as well. Perhaps okay. we can join forces and do this together. That might be fun. And figure out a way to work together on that. <laughs> I love sounds, that. Yeah, sounds good. Leslie, thank you so much for your time. Okay, Tim, thank you so much. Have a great night. You too. Bye-bye.
That's Leslie Tyler, the Director of Media Relations and Communications for the Kimmel Center in Philadelphia. Their Soulful Christmas is tonight, a big uh, big event. It's a sellout. I want to shift gears now as we uh, uh, have had a very full show today. You've been hearing us talk about a little bit, at least the last couple of weeks, something called Bless the Ministries that bless you all year long. Uh, WFIL is very grateful. We team up with a lot of wonderful ministries all year round. And so what we have is a list on our site, very convenient, uh, alphabetized and sanitized and everything, uh, where you can click right through and connect with the ministries that bless you all year long. You know, it's a time of reflection, usually the month of December. And uh, if you would like to get in touch with these ministries, uh, maybe, you know, if you're like me, sometimes like, what was the, well, not like me, because I work here and I know, but you may be, <laughs> but in some realms, it is like that when, when it comes to music or there's some things like, I know the name of that. All, all you need is a little reminder. So if you see the list real nice and easy there for you, that might help uh, and, and connect with the, the ministries that you are blessed by. And so if you want to write them a note of encouragement, maybe offer a little financial uh, year-end support, that's all good. And it's encouraged to wrap up the year that way. You can just click your favorite ministries banner. It's right on our homepage at WFIL.com. Um, what I wanted to play for you re- real briefly here was a, a clip from a conversation I had with our pastor, uh, one of our pastors at our church, Steve Smallman is his name. And this just has to do about the idea of giving. Now, whether it's this blessing the ministries thing that we're talking about or just when you hear a folks asking for help financially, different ministries. He had some insightful things to share in his sermon. So here's just a couple of minutes of our conversation that we had several months back. Hi, Ken. Hey, good to talk to you today. Thank you for being willing to hop on on short notice. Sure, my pleasure. (laughs) Well, the sermon you shared yesterday, just for context for listeners, we're talking about Romans 12 12 through 16. Our our church is going through this series on, I guess, heart healthy. You know, how, how does a church function and be a healthy church? And right. you were speaking from Romans 15 yesterday, and uh, and there's a, a part of just a few verses there that talked about a, a couple of key points that that were interesting to hear how when Paul was writing his letter, uh, what he shared. I guess the verse 23 says, "But now there is no more. Now that there's no more place for me to work in these regions, and since I've been longing for many years to visit you, I plan to do so when I go to Spain." I hope to see you all passing through and to have you assist me on my journey there. And maybe you could pick up from there, just, you know, your observation of what you were sharing with us as a congregation. Sure. Well, um, we tend to think of Paul as the great theologian, which, um, of course, he is. But his primary sense of purpose and vocation was a, a missionary. So here at the end of the Book of Romans, he comes back to what he said in Chapter 1, I want to come and see you, but uh, now a new element is added, and that is, I want to see you as I go on to Spain. And uh, you you read through that passage, and it's pretty clear he's expecting to sort of move his headquarters, so to speak. It has been in Antioch while he's been in the eastern Mediterranean. Now it's going to be, he hopes, Rome. Okay. Uh, and, and he specifically says, and when I come, I want you to assist me on my way or help me on my journey. And uh, I think there can be little question that, that was to, to include uh, a financial support. I, I guess, Tim, the thing that you honed in on was that the, the missionaries asking for people to get behind their efforts for the kingdom is not kind of a modern invention. This has been, been with us since the beginning of the church. Yeah, that was a very key point. Because I do think people think it's a newer thing or relatively new or last 
10 right. or 50 or 50 years maybe. Well, I'm sure the mechanics of how the money's raised has obviously differed over the centuries, but uh, not the not the primary issue. Yeah. And then kind of along with that was the point, like it was expected. Paul, when he wrote in Romans 15, he was not saying, well, all I really need is your prayers. If you can spare a few shekels, that'll be nice mm-hmm. also. Right. That's, that's right. Uh, you, you've seen that before. I'm sure people are writing missions trip letters, asking people for their support, and they feel apologetic. Uh, and, and, you know, they're trying to make sure that people – prayer does matter. It's fundamental, obviously. Sure. But, but how, how, yeah, just on that point, what were your thoughts from the sermon yesterday? Well, he, he, links, he links clearly this appeal for giving to his appeal as well to pray for him. And um, he's quite specific as to what he prays for, because he's on his way to Jerusalem with an offering, interestingly enough. So this is another, another uh, clue to me that he's expecting uh, financial support from Rome because he said, you know, you didn't, you didn't get to be part of this offering that's going to the saints in Jerusalem. But uh, let me tell you about an offering you can be part of. <laughs> so, uh, But then he goes on and says, I appeal to you to pray for me. And he's quite specific, you know, that I'll be delivered from the unbelievers and this offering will be accepted. Perhaps the, the believers in uh, Jerusalem would be uh, offended by these Gentiles uh, helping them in the way they are. So yeah. we don't we don't really know those sorts of things. But I my point was simply that who do we pray for when you when you say pray for the missionaries? That's a broad generic thing. We pray for those that we're supporting, those that we know, and we pray specifically. And as, as Paul outlines here, so so I I think you can't decouple these two these two issues. Anyway, that was my yeah. my point. And and if you're if if you are in committed to a ministry if, as one who's called or one who's supporting, this is the normal process. The way thing I think the Lord wants it to work that we give and support one another and encourage each other. Welcome people's giving. Yeah, talk about it. That's Stephen Smallman, our pastor, one of several at our church who was sharing about the uh, the whole area of giving, which I thought it was very insightful. Basically, the, the idea of giving is not new. Maybe the me- mechanics have changed, but. The idea of giving and praying go hand in hand from the very beginning of the, of the Christian church. We want to shift gears one more time adventurously and slip in uh, Silent Night here. And, you know, I'm not going to be able to read the entire story, but you're aware perhaps that the story behind Silent Night involving the British and the Germans in World War One, and how there was a time where they actually had a truce. Uh, it says when dawn broke on Christmas morning, uh, something, well, actually one step back, uh, Charles Brewer, 19 years old, he was a British lieutenant. He noticed the rising of a faint sound that he had never heard before in the battlefield, a Christmas carol, the German words to Silenacht. I don't just saying I don't know. I never took German, but I hope I'm correct. We're not familiar, but the tune Silent Night certainly was. When the German soldiers finished their singing, their foes broke out in cheers. Used to returning fire, the British now replied in song with the English version of the carol. When dawn broke on Christmas morning, something even more remarkable happened. In sporadic pockets along the 500-mile western front, unarmed German and Allied soldiers tentatively emerged from the trenches and cautiously crossed no man's land. The killing fields between the trenches littered with frozen corpses, eviscerated trees, and deep craters to wish each other Merry Christmas. Far from an organized top-down ceasefire, the Christmas truce 
Instead was a series of small armistices that bubbled up from the men in the foxholes, deciding to fraternize with the enemy. We shook hands, wished each other a Merry Christmas, and were soon conversing as if we had known each other for years. Here we were laughing and chatting to men whom only a few hours before we were trying to kill, said British Corporal John Ferguson as he wrote that in his uh, uh, memoirs. The unsanctioned truce, uh, Hitler was certainly not in favor of it, uh, saying that his uh, men should not lose their fighting edge. As the sun set on Christmas, the fighters retreated to their respective trenches. A few ceasefires held until New Year's Day. In most locations, however, the war resumed on December 26. At 8.30 in the morning, Captain Charles Stockwell, the 2nd Royal Welch Fusiliers, fired three shots into the air and raised a flag that read, Merry Christmas. His German counterpart raised a flag that read, Thank you. The two men then mounted the parapets and uh, saluted each other and returned to their sodden trenches. Stockwell wrote that his counterpart then fired two shots in the air and the war was on again. We'll end our program today with a little bit of Silent Night. Jim Maxim, Acts 413 Ministries, will lead in prayer about a minute from now, and then we'll have Alistair Begg and Truth for Life. God bless you. Have a great evening. Lord willing, we'll do it again tomorrow on WFIL. Thanks for listening to the Tim DeMoss Show podcast. Feel free to tune in to the full show each weekday afternoon from 4 to 5 on AM 560 WFIL and at WFIL.com.